Welcome to the August 13th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1-2, through 2, and the sermon is entitled, A Letter to the Scattered, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. Grab your Bibles and go to the book of Peter. First Peter, as we began a new study, we think about a journey and a life that we live for Christ. And sometimes when we live that journey, the unexpected happens or the unplanned happens. But no matter what happens, joy needs to come to us in our journey. And I want this to be the the sounding point of this sermon and of this series. And that is this, joy comes from no other place than Jesus. And so today, if you are on a journey, if you are living life, if you're raising a family, if you're doing that all apart from Jesus Christ, you are missing a vital part of what He has to offer you personally and you spiritually as you walk with Him. I'm grateful today to talk about the joy of the journey. Today, this series does not promise any one of you a smooth sailing road, an easy path, A great time until you meet Jesus one day face to face. Nowhere can I promise you that because the Bible does not promise you that. But here's the one thing that I can assure you of along your journey. If you have faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will walk with you along that journey. Praise be to God. Amen. With that, we open God's Word. The book of Peter. Today you will get two verses as we begin a letter to the scattered that he writes to. As we open this new series, it is packed full of so much. When I look at these letters, I think uh, the wisdom and knowledge and instruction that is offered to believers who are on the move. And they have no choice to be on the move because they are forced because of their faith. To be dispersed into the world. And Peter writes to them. Peter writes to them. And you think of the man Peter. The first thing that you think of when you hear his name is what? All right, here's what I want you to do. When I say the word Peter, I want you to shout out loud the first thing that comes to mind. Everybody has to only use one word. I don't want a sermon, okay? The first thing that comes to your mind about Peter. You shout it out. You ready? One, two, three. Peter. All right, let's try that one more time. Everybody, the first thing about Peter, one, two, three. Anybody say denial? Raise your hand if you said denial. That was going to be my word, that I I don't want to influence you. The first thing we think about Peter is denial, or maybe there's some other story within the Bible, and I'm going to hit a a few of those high spots. But how can a man that denied Jesus write a letter to defend Jesus? It's only by the grace of God. And so, friends, I want you to know that he uses very imperfect human beings. You and I today, I feel like sometimes a modern-day Peter. Because there are times, if you've looked at my faith journey, it reminds you of a roller coaster. I've been on the highest of highs, and I've been on the lowest of lows, where I've turned my back on my Savior. And yet, we are going to spend a little bit of time reading the letter From the man who we remember denied Christ three times. But many of you remember that the gospel of John ends by Jesus restoring him. And he calls him to feed his sheep and to tend the lambs. And to take care of the church. 
Peter is going to be one of the strongest leaders of the early church. And that's why that restoration took place. I want you to know, Jesus is the one that changed Peter's name. Peter is one of the first to declare who Jesus is in Matthew 16, 16. As he says, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. Peter was on the inner circle of disciples. And I told you that he had been very close with Jesus. He had been to the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. He had been to the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. The, the most intimate parts of Jesus' life, Peter was there. And yet when called to pray, he fell asleep. He could not stay awake. Maybe you remember him as the servants come to take Jesus and to crucify him, put him on trial and crucify him. Maybe you remember that Peter is the one that welded the sword and, and aimed for Malchus's head, but just got his ear. That is the fiery spirit of the man that we're talking about today. But throughout his life, we see a roller coaster of faith. And I think that is why many of us today, you and I, can relate to the man, Peter. I'm grateful that as I read his life, as I see his life, as I look into his life, that I see myself a lot of times in his shoes. Here is the truth today as we relate to Peter. As the gospel unfolds, as the gospels close and it moves into Acts, he is a strong leader of the early church, delivering sermons, pointing people to Jesus that would change multitudes of lives. How many of you know that he writes this letter some 30 years later in life? Do you know? Let me ask you this. How many in this room have been a Christian longer than 30 years? Raise your hand. Wow. Praise be to God. Today I know that there's an, a special anniversary and birthday. Leonard and Juanita Heartless. Leonard turned 89 yesterday. And today they celebrate 68 years of marriage. What a, what a testimony in marriage. But friends, many of you raised as believers over 30 years, what a testimony to the Lord and His faithfulness to you and your life. When I think about a man writing 30 years after uh, knowing Jesus and meeting Jesus and giving his life to Jesus, we see this. He has grown in the Lord in so many ways. After serving Jesus for so long, that ought to be our goal as we serve the Lord. We should not be stagnant for 30 years. We should grow closer to the Lord. We see an older, wiser fisherman turned apostle. And we see how the Lord could use him to influence many believers and churches even today. As we talk about this joy along the journey, let's look at the first two verses of 1 Peter chapter number 1. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Today, as we read these two verses, 
This sets the story. This sets the letter in motion of what we need to know about who is writing, who he is writing to, and what the purpose of this letter will be. Today I'm going to ask you to look at three things with me. First thing that we want to look at is the writer. Look at verse number one again. It says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now those words contain a lot of information. And as I sat down at my desk, I began to write and I said, this sermon could turn into a lecture of an hour if I wanted to, but I know that I don't have an hour. I know I have 30 minutes of your attention, and that's what I'm shooting for. But today, when we talk about Peter, he gives us his name right off the the get-go as it's written by him. And some would say the years AD 63 or AD 64 in that time frame. But he identifies himself as the writer of this letter. And he is writing to a group that is scattered throughout what we would call modern-day Turkey. As he writes this letter, he's writing to a group that is scattered. In writing this letter, he has one goal. In all that he does, he wants to point them to Jesus Christ. Notice Jesus' name in his introduction That he is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He is identifying with Jesus. But friends, I want you to know that everything that we do should point to Jesus Christ as well. I don't carry the title apostle. I carry the title Christian. And my life should be Christ-like so others see Jesus in me. As Peter writes this letter, he has moved to doubter, from doubter to the powerful preacher. In Acts chapter 2, I'm not going to read it right now, but later on today, sometime in your study, go to Acts chapter 2 and watch how Peter proclaims the truth of who Jesus really is. To him and how he has seen Jesus work in the lives of the people around him. He spent time with Jesus. He knew Jesus personally. He watched Jesus' ministry. And so that gives him the right to the title of apostle. Peter has been set apart to do the work, and he does it well. In Acts chapter 2, verse number 37, Peter has a message. And as he preaches this message, he says this message cuts straight to the hearts of the people that would hear it. And when we think of that, of the gospel doing that, it's amazing. But he ends it with a question. Acts 2, 37, what shall we do? What shall we do with this Jesus? What shall we do with the information that we know? What will we do with it? And Peter would implore the people to live their lives faithfully, no matter the cost, for the gospel's sake. Friends, that is my same message today. As we think of times that Jesus has pricked our heart, or the word of God has pricked our heart, or challenged us in ways that we may not have known, here's what I want you to know That we are to live the lives worthy of the calling, of the title of Christian. Peter lived the life worthy of apostle. And he said, that is my introduction. When we think of his advice later on in the book of Acts, it is to repent. Repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Can you see how God took a disciple, an old fisherman... And now has made him a great man of God. 
I'm grateful that God can do that to you and I. He can take an old sinner, clean him up not only on the outside but on the inside and put him in the work of his business to do. My prayer is that God does that for each one of us. The word apostle means someone who is sent out, a messenger. And it is the term that Peter uses to describe himself, not in a flippant way, not bragging, but he is using it as his credentials as he writes. He can write because he has been sent by the Lord, and he knew the Lord, and he spent time with the Lord. That is his credential. The early apostles were gifted also with miracles. And Peter witnessed those in Acts chapter 2. You will see 3,000 people were saved after Peter preached. It's amazing what the Spirit of God did. But this title carries the weight of someone that has physically been with Jesus. And Peter says, that gives me the authority to sit down and to write this letter. Did you know the term apostle is used of Jesus Christ himself? In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, you can see that. But also the term is used generally in our Bible as well as the ones who were set apart for the work of God. Of Barnabas, of Silas, of Timothy, of Epaphroditus. These were all apostles of the church. Listen to me, apostles of the church. Where Peter says, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. There's a difference there. And so Peter, with that introduction, says, I'm the appointed apostle. Friends, today when we think about Peter and we connect the dots of his life, maybe, and we see ourselves in the mirror, we are set apart. I want you to know that in my deepest well of my heart, I want no recognition, I want no title, I want no fame, I want nothing. I want people to see Jesus. And that's why Peter writes. He writes so others will see Jesus. But for me, I want none of that. If, if no one knows the name of Jeffrey, we're okay. But if they hear the name of Jesus, that's all we need to know. Friends, today, don't worry about the title that you carry. Worry about the job that the Lord has called you to do. The responsibility that he has given you as a child of God. To deliver the truth of God to the people that are around you. God can take an old country boy that grew up in Amherst County and put him behind the pulpit. God can do something in your life. And if God can take a fisherman and educate him and teach him to love Jesus and teach him to love other people, God can use you to do the same. Church, that's what we need to do. We're appointed by God as believers to be witnesses of the truth of Jesus Christ. And I'm grateful for that. The second thing that I want you to see as we open up this letter today are the exiled elect. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. I'm going to stop right there for just a second. When is the last time you heard a fisherman write like this? You know God's at work. You know that he's been through a lot. And he is using some terms that we need to know. And the first thing I want to tell you is that every letter has to have somebody to read it. Every letter has to have somebody that it's intended to. And Peter doesn't write this letter necessarily to you and I today. We have the object of read, or the, the, the glory of reading it. But listen... 
It was intended for a specific group of people. And the Bible describes this group of people in verse number 1 as strangers that are scattered. There are some deep truths here, but he starts out with this. There are people that need to read this letter that are scattered throughout the world. Now, what makes them scattered? The same thing that would make you scatter in church today. If somebody marched in here today and questioned you and threatened you, your life for the belief in Jesus Christ, you would scatter. I may scatter. I hope not. But I hope I always stand on God's word and and on, on the truth of Jesus Christ. But here is the reality. The church will scatter. We have seen sickness and pandemic cause the church to scatter. And I know that if somebody walked in here threatened life and limb, that people would scatter. That is the truth. And here, lives were on the line. As Nero would come into power and he would threaten and he would blame Christians for so much, Christians' lives were on the line. I'm grateful today that we live in America and that we serve God in America because right now, I don't feel like my life is on the line day by day. But there are people all across the world working on the, on the behalf of Jesus Christ on the mission field whose lives are in the balances. It's so easy for us Americans to read this and say, oh, that's just to the church somewhere long ago. No, no, no. The church today in the world is still a scattered church. And I believe the day is coming in America that the real Christians will have to show up. The ones that mean business, the ones who don't care about their life and that are willing to lose it, will be the ones that you see in the church houses. Friends, today, this letter is to the scattered church of the first century whose lives were on the line. And in these five regions that are mentioned in verse number one, that's where the believers were. They were scattered because of their faith and because of persecution. And he's writing to let them know, listen to this, here's what he's trying to let them know. It's not going to get any easier. It's not going to be easier for you to follow Jesus. He doesn't write and say, okay, it'll it'll be okay in just a little while. Nowhere does Peter say that. Here's what he says in chapter 4, verse number 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. It will get worse. As these exiled elect will receive this letter, they are going to read it and say, it's not going to get any easier to follow Jesus. And I'm telling the American church, Clifford Baptist Church today, it will not get any easier to follow Jesus. If we turned off the air conditioner and turned off the lights, that would get rid of a lot of people in the American church, especially when it's 95 degrees. Can you imagine if your life is on the line? Friends, we have the comfort that no other place has, and yet we beg people to come to Jesus, to come to church, and to be present and active for their Savior. We should not have to do that. Many pastors bury that burden of empty pews and empty churches when the communities are full. Friends, today, here's the reality. Serving Jesus 
was never promised to be easy. But when it comes that your life was on the line, many of you will give it for a family member or a friend. Will you give it for Jesus? These scattered people, as Peter is writing, know that they are on the run because of their faith. They're still meeting together. They're still together. But we know they are sojourners. They're only here for a little while. Hebrews chapter number 11 verse 10 talks of Abraham sojourning to the land of promise. And it says this, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Just as Abraham was a sojourner, he didn't have a place to call home. He was just passing through. So are these people. And here is the truth. So are you and I. We are just passing through. This world is not the Christian's home, the believer's home. My home is waiting in heaven one day. Amen? We're just passing through. But while we're passing through, we're not here just to pass the time. We're here to serve the Lord and to be faithful to Him no matter what that journey looks like. Peter describes them as strangers, scattered. But he uses a word that that makes us sometimes shiver in the church and in the community. Look at chapter 1, verse number 2. The first word in the King James says, the elect. At the base level of election, it's this simple, God chose you. But it goes much deeper. As I prayed over this sermon today and I, I'm contemplating, do I go here or not? You know what the easy answer is? Don't go there. Don't do it, Jeffrey. What does it mean to be elect? Who are the elect of God and how does the election of God work? Well, there are two camps on election. And they are at opposite ends of the spectrum. Many of you understand Calvinism. And Calvinism to its strictest seems like we may be mere robots. And God ordains and predestines everything that we do. And you can't step out of that because God predestined it. At the other end is Arminianism. Who says we are free to do whatever we want to. And, and in that free will it doesn't matter what you do or where you go or how you do it. it. It's okay. God's got you. Well I have to tell you. I'm on neither end of that spectrum. Okay. I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. Because here's what, uh, here's what we th- need to think about when we talk about election. We need to understand that election involves God. And it involves man. And so when we think through that and we look at Scripture, we always must look at Scripture. But look at this. Look at verse number 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. When we think of the election and the foreknowledge of God the Father, here's what the Bible teaches. Before the foundations of the earth. I'm going to read that verse to you real quick. From Ephesians chapter number 1. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So election, now stay with me. Please stay with me. Because this is hard stuff. But this is divisive stuff even within the church. And here's what I want you to know. If you don't 100% agree with me today, it's okay. We're still brothers and sisters in Christ. And we will still love and serve others together. Okay? Amen? 
When it comes to the election of God, it starts with God knowing, foreknowledge, knowing before the foundations of the world who would do what. What choice people would make. When we think of the word predestined, predestined means uh, God knows who's going to choose him. God predestines those to choose him. And so God knows from the very foundation of the earth what is going on and who's going to do what and who's going to follow him. And those that are predestined to follow him to heaven are amazing to choose. But here's the thing. God does not make you choose. We are not robots. So how does free will fall into it how does the whosoever will come how do they come if they weren't chosen or predestined or elected they come just as they are they come on their own free will and because God does not make us robots he gives every one of us a free will to choose him he chose us first but we must choose him to follow him he's writing to a church on a run fighting for their life, and he dresses them as the chosen ones of God. And then in verse number 2, he also goes into the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit uh, to obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things that we can debate about in life and in Scripture and in faith and in theology. We can debate a lot of things. But here's what I want you to know today. Apart from God, we are nothing. The Bible says that God must draw you to himself. He's got to do the work, but you must be willing to say yes to him. Friends, today, did you hear the Trinity in what I just read? Did you see the Trinity in verse number 2? The foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't miss the picture of the Trinity at work in the salvation of every person here. I'm grateful that God knew from the very beginning that he had a plan set up when man fell, he knew man would fall. And that his plan would call us his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross. He planned that all that before the foundations of the earth. That's what the Bible teaches. And yet, as God plans that, his, his work and his plan is moving. The Spirit is working in sanctification to set apart those who belong to him. You can't be a part of the world. We have to be in the world. But you cannot be a part of the world. You've got to be set apart. And then the faithfulness of Jesus Christ and obedience and the sprinkling of the blood. We are chosen to obey and set apart to obedience. And these Old Testament symbols of the sprinkling of the blood on the mercy seat teaches us the forgiveness of sins of all the people on the Day of Atonement. Today, Jesus Christ was the atoning sacrifice for the blood, for the sinner, for the sinner. His blood was that atonement. So today, when we think about these elect, what do they care about election? Here's what God is telling them. You are on the run. You are fighting for for your life. But you are not forgotten by God. You are not forgotten. You are chosen. And God has a plan for your life. 
Today you may be here and on your journey it may seem like a muddled mess. But here's what I want you to know. God has a plan for your life. And it happened long before creation. And it involves you following Him today. Friends, today when we think about the exiled elect, Peter promises them, God has not forgotten you. You are not scattered and wandering in a world without Jesus. He knows exactly where you are and he knows what you are going through. The last thing I want you to see, look at the end of verse number 2. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. The bountiful blessings. The bountiful blessings. When we think about the faithfulness of God, I want you to know, It's hard for me to move past that. But what he promises you and I and to these people are are grace and peace. And know the order. You have heard Pastor Mike say this before. I know you have because I've heard it. The order is important. You cannot get the peace of God without the grace of God. And some of you are living your lives and you're desiring peace in a situation. But you won't let God in it. And you're not going to get the peace that you so desire. I'm sorry to break your heart. But today, is there a life that's missing out on the blessing of grace and peace of God because it does not belong to God? Maybe today, when we think about these scattered people, it causes us to look at our own lives and say, God, am am I really faithful enough that if, if my life was on the line, would I still follow? Will I still be faithful? God, if the government comes in or, or if it comes to the point where a soldier comes in and says, you cannot. If it gets to the point where you're overseas and somebody says, do you love Jesus? Would you say yes? Maybe today you're here and you say, Pastor Jeffrey, I'm good in my faith. My faith is great. I'm wonderful. Praise be to God. But maybe your life is like mine. This week has been crazy. The highs of revival. And then it's like the world takes over. And Satan knew where I was. And Satan came knocking on my door. Maybe your life relates to Peter. And the fact one minute you're with Jesus. And the next you're falling in the water. Or you're falling asleep. Maybe you'll say I'm a believer. But I'm on a roller coaster. God help steady it. Today I would invite you to come. Maybe today you're here and you look at your life and you can see where you are. Maybe things are good in the marriage world and things are good in the kids world and things are good in the job world. But things are not well in the spiritual world. Maybe there's somebody here that's not a believer, that has not accepted the grace that Jesus Christ offers. Friends, today I want to offer you salvation, not in any other name other than Jesus Christ. His death on the cross was your payment for your sin. Today, if you would choose to to accept that free gift, you come. You come. My prayer is this, is that every person in this room is on some kind of journey. And the pastorate job has taught me, you never know what somebody's going through. You never know where somebody is. They look good on the outside, but they're hurting and they're dying on the inside. Today, maybe there's one Christian that'll come and say, God, I know this message is going to be for me. This this series is going to be for me. Maybe today the joy of journey needs to be Jesus, and you need to focus on him. I invite you to him.
now. May we pray? Father God, Lord, thank you for just the opening, the beginning of a very powerful book. As we think about you choosing and an election and how that works, God, you knew from the very beginning that we would be standing in Clifford Baptist Church today. God, I pray, Lord, that the invitation to Jesus Christ as Savior, Lord, you know who's going to accept that, and Lord, you know who's going to use their free will to reject it. So God, I pray, Lord, in this moment that your Holy Spirit move in such a way that the ones who need you, Lord, will come. God, we give you this moment of invitation. And maybe there are strong Christian brothers and sisters that just need to just need to kneel down and trust you more, Lord, and, and keep their eyes on you, Lord, and, and to stay awake in their faith and, and just trust you as they walk in their journey. Lord, thank you that the true joy of our journey comes from Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you lead this moment of invitation now. We give it to you in his name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.